Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. NBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 36, The Books. We started the episode by treading the murky waters that is this case. After that, we heard Bob go through the finances for John and Vicky leading up to their murders. I think this episode presented us with a lot of interesting takeaways, and Bob, Janet, and I are here to discuss it, along with your listener questions, right after this break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro, driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. All right, we're back, and we have a lot to talk about today. Bob, you gave a lot of information about what you call the books in this episode, and we got a ton of listener response, lots of questions, lots of opinions, lots of ideas. There's a lot to get into. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into all of your questions, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what you think. Um, for those of you that don't know, if you haven't been to the website, documents are up on the website. I have uh, John's receipt book. I have the bank statements up. And then I put up my work product, which was <laughs> I was talking about in the Patreon show. It was a little embarrassing for me because I wasn't ever intending to publish this. I just I do lots of weird things to try to see things and I was uh I was trying to find patterns so I but but I said in the episode I would share it so I shared it so there's my chicken scratch where I made calendars um but that's how I see patterns and there's a, there's a lot going on in this episode the patterns helped me we had those last 3 months and one thing I don't guys if you caught just from listening but John doesn't use his debit card which is which makes things difficult. So what I see in the patterns is John uses his debit card almost exactly once a week, always to put gas in his car. Well, at a gas station, he usually spends between 40 and $47 at a gas station once a week. I don't know if that's gas and cigarettes. Um, Vicky uses her debit card much more, but we see that she buy and on my handwritten thing, you'll see where, um, she's using her debit card to, by groceries, she goes to Vons all the time. She gets the groceries. She goes to the cigarette shop and gets cigarettes. Um, so she's handling, you know, buying food and stuff like that. Also, it's usually her debit card that's used to pay the bills. One thing I did want to break down because I don't think I covered them in the episode were the utilities because I think some people were asking, could some of the money that's missing that's in cash be used to pay the bills? That we actually do have the bills tracked. Um, so. And Janet, you had asked me this uh, the other day about the water. Um, mm-hmm. th- so they don't have municipal water. If you go way back to Tim Summerlee's interview, who I met in Pinion Pines, he talks a little bit about some of the older houses, uh, John and Vicky's included, are part of a private water system. So somebody years back had drilled a really big well and then connected the water to several houses, and they pay mm. that water bill. And it, it's the Alpine Village water is what the, the bill is to. 
Okay. Um, and so they we see they paid in the June and July statement, they paid $70, $71 to Alpine Water. In July and August, they paid $81 to Alpine Water, both by check. Uh, and then we don't see that they paid the water bill yet in the August-September statement. Um, electric, they paid to Anza Electric. That is paid uh, every month. It was 122 in June and July, 70 bucks. So I'm guessing that one, they were late on that. Um, it was $70 in August, July and August and 116 bucks in August and September. Um, they pay their, their cell phones. They don't always pay their cell phones a singular, but they, they pay 115 in June and July, uh, did not pay, oh, they paid it 177 the next month and they did not pay their cell phone bill the final month. And uh, then they have their home phone. They pay it for direct TV. Um, so those are the bills that they get paid regularly. Also, j- people ask questions about John's child support. Um, in all the months for this whole year, including these last three months we went over, he wrote a check for $388 to child support, uh, which is what his ex-wife said she was getting for mm-hmm. child support. Um, so we have the, the in the money we talked about, the bills are covered. Bills, groceries, gas, cigarettes are covered in there um, are all covered in the amounts that I talked about in the episodes. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I, I mentioned that um, John obviously uses his ATM card a lot more frequently than, uh, than Vicky does. Um, and for more money, you know, for, you know, he averages around 10 withdrawals a month for thousand dollars or more uh, per month in cash. And, but he's using that cash for everything. So again, he doesn't use his debit card. So you can see in the receipt book where he's buying materials for jobs, but we don't see debit card transactions for those, which means he's paying for those in cash, but also they don't amount to very much. It's like $4 for a plastic tarp or a couple of that. And I added it up and I didn't bring it in, but, but like in that last month, it amounts to like less than a hundred dollars. Um, if I remember correctly and materials that he's buying for jobs. So we still don't know where that cash is going. And we also have heard from multiple people that, that once the weekend comes, John heads up the hill and nobody sees him, but it's always on Friday where he makes, uh, usually around, I think averages around $160. You know, we see 140, uh, 400, and one and one he takes the when they're the week they were on vacation in July only forty bucks but the next week right back to one hundred and sixty, uh, and then eighty, and then now the next week they were way overdrawn they had overdrafts coming through he didn't withdraw anything that weekend, uh, but the next one was a hundred, and then the next one was this is back in um, July and August there was there was only forty twenty. On the Friday, so it was less. But then this last month of their lives, he kept 163 bucks out of his check, and then the next week he withdrew 40, and then he withdrew 120, and then the next week withdrew 60, and then 40. The next Friday, 200, uh, and then the final week of their lives on Tuesday he took out 120. On Wednesday he took out 140. On Friday he took out 120 and 60, so 180 more. So th- we see. You know, again, we're always looking for the thing that changed in the last week of their lives before he was killed. He withdrew more cash that week than we've seen him withdraw in any other week. So that that's one, two, three, four, four hundred and forty dollars in cash. He withdrew and that final week with one hundred and eighty of that being on the 15th on Friday and then on Sunday he's dead. Um so those are just some things I didn't. I don't think I really put a um, a point on when I was when I was doing the episode that I wanted to bring up. Um, and also, we see that when we're looking at patterns, their overall output every month remains pretty much the same as far as how much cash. You know, they they're John's always taking out about a thousand dollars in cash. And he's always using his debit card a certain amount of times. And Vicky's always using her debit card for, you know, pretty average amount of times for groceries and gas and stuff like that. You know, it was a little different when they go on vacation and that one week in July. But their output stays the same, but their input changes significantly. 
So when we're looking at the patterns and trying to figure out, did anything change? Yes, something changed, but it wasn't what I was expecting to find, which is suddenly they're spending a lot more money somewhere. Where did the money go? Instead, what changed is whatever they're spending their money on and whatever John is always taking the cash for to spend his money on was obviously important to him because in those last three months, their input, their incoming money dropped dramatically by half, but the output remained the same. So even though they didn't have enough money to even pay their mortgage for three months, he was still taking out, you know, over $400 in that last week. Can we discuss that for a minute? Yeah. Cause that, that's a big point. I want that. I was I, a listener brought it up and it, and I reminded me about it. We discussed them not paying their mortgage for the final three months. When did they refinance? Do you know when they refinanced the house? I believe when I looked it up, it was in the spring sometime before I did the finances, just by looking at a background check. Mm -hmm. And then you see in March is when the payment changed. Okay. Because I do know there's there's typically a grace period in there somewhere. There is, but and a lot of people have brought that up, but usually that's like a month. So like when you, like when we bought, we sold our house and bought this house, we didn't refinance or anything, but there was... Because of that transaction, there was a gap there, and we had one month where we didn't have to make a payment. Um, I, I've never – I don't think it's a thing ever that you refinance or whatever, and you go – you get three months with no payments. And we don't see – and also their, their mortgage wasn't through – because sometimes if you have – you know, like my mortgage is through my credit union, and they'll offer – I've never done it, but they always offer, like especially around the holidays around now, they'll offer pay 25 bucks and skip a payment. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, for the holidays and stuff like that. Uh, they they had Bank of America. They banked through and their mortgage was through Midland Mortgage Company. There's nothing to indicate in their records that they um, they had that option. So, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they, they get to not make a mortgage payment for three months. Well, okay. especially, yeah, especially if you're saying that, that you saw the amount change to reflect the new mortgage rate and they right. did pay it for three months. It, d- it definitely seems odd that they would be like... And now we're going to take the grace period several months after all of this has shifted mm-hmm. over. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and grab that grace period. That doesn't seem normal, but yeah. Yeah. And they were, and they were very obviously having financial issues. We see that they're, you know, they've got overdraft charges coming through. They're overdrawing their account. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty tight. You know, and that, that could be, you know, why didn't they go on their two week vacation that was planned? It, probably because they didn't have any money. Right. I mean, the, their, their bank account balance was next to zero all the time right and yet ted Uh, rutherford said well yeah we used to give him advances but he didn't need he hasn't needed that for quite some time so he wasn't reaching out to his boss and also we talked about this a little bit on the patreon then realized we wanted to save more of it for for the follow-up but that in that interview he said i couldn't tell you anything that changed i could nothing was different uh right. he certainly didn't say by the way we noticed that john was less available and that's why he was getting paid less mm-hmm. you'll see that in the check stubs like they didn't seem to have any awareness no. or felt it was worth bringing up that he was getting paid less by them for that yeah. month and, and in fact he says that we have you know he, he mentions how many properties they have in that interview and says they have a ton of work so much so that they have three other guys like john that they contract to do stuff, but John is their number one guy. He's the one they get. So it's, it sounds as though there was plenty of work, but what we see from the bank and John's receipt book was that he wasn't doing any more work. You know, he was he he wasn't he wasn't taking the work available. That's one of the things we want to do while we're in town is maybe get a little more info on that if possible. You know, was there a lull in work to do? Generally, end of summer is not when the lull happens. Uh, at least around here, but I know California is obviously it's it's warm throughout the year, so things are a little different. But around here, uh, you know, July, August, September, October are like when people are people are trying to get stuff done before mm-hmm. the snow flies, so they're right. really getting busy during that time. Um, but yeah, it's something- strange that he wouldn't think to. I, yeah, it just it's it's like a little disappointing that in their conversation, you know, they they kind of marked how odd it was that he didn't. En- enlist in the football pool, but like yeah. didn't think it was odd that they had paid him half as much as they usually would that month. I yeah, know, strange. Yeah, I, it doesn't make sense. Some people, some people in the chat are mentioning that you know Tiffany had said that she paid their mortgage because it was the first mortgage payment, 
they I, I don't know if she's just wrong about that or if there's something we're not seeing. Somebody said that Tiffany said by her recollection, the mortgage payment was like around seven hundred dollars. Right. So and she wanted to make the payment to make um to make. And of course, we see a payment of like nine hundred and sixty dollars. Right. So people ask, did they did they refinance twice? I haven't seen evidence that they refinanced twice. I, I, I don't know. Um, I almost wonder if that 700 was the principal and interest without the escrow. Hmm. Um, cause we do see the one, you know, there's a payment of 200, I have it here, $294 to Midland mortgage payment on that last month of their lives that they wrote a check to Midland. And it says in the memo, I didn't post the document with the checks cause it's too much redacting. Cause you mm-hmm. know, obviously the account numbers on every check. And then it also has the back of the check that's stamped with account numbers and stuff. It's right. just, it's, I don't want to miss anything, but that check says non-sufficient funds on it. So they had, but, but it's, it shows cleared on the bank statement, but in the check, it shows non-sufficient funds. So I'm a little confused by that. Mm. But so if the more, if the escrow portion, which is the part for those of you that don't have mortgages, you know, that's, that's the part of your payment that pays for your homeowner's insurance and your property taxes. If the escrow part of that payment was $294, then it, it it could be that the the principal and interest of the house payment was around seven hundred or a little under seven hundred. Um, that's very possible that that's what was going on, but it's confusing. But the thing to me, and I don't know what it means yet, is I was looking for something that changed. Something did change, and and not just like this is a slow time of year. That's why at the beginning of the episode, I went back and looked at August, September, October of two thousand five to see is that a slow time of year. And it's like they're, he, John's consistently bringing home fifty five, fifty eight, hundred, six thousand dollars a month from, uh, from, from his work, and then all of a sudden in these last couple of months it drops to forty two hundred, which isn't super. It doesn't set off any huge red flags because they went on vacation that week, so there's you know a little bit less time to work. But then it was like twenty nine hundred, then three thousand, mm-hmm. and then they're dead. Mm-hmm. Like something changed there that I think is worth is definitely worth looking into. And the, the weekend withdrawals, you know, because people have speculated that, well, maybe the cash is being used to pay another worker or, but there's no evidence. You know, we heard from Devin, his coworker, he never mentioned that he had another guy with him. And am I going through all of your questions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'll realized it's 930 and like somehow you're like, and I've seen people post. It's like, but isn't this what the follow-up post is for? Is yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. For that's my mistake. Also, I didn't read the follow-up and names post. Heard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you can read their names real quick. <laughs> I panicked because you told, you told me to you had a hard out today. People. So I'm like trying to jam everything in. Uh, so yeah, I guess, well, let's just... Uh, how about we get into your questions, Janet, from Sounds the good. from the listeners? Sounds good. And yes, I will be shouting out some people who definitely had some great questions that perhaps have been answered already in this long intro. Uh, but very quickly, um, we did have some Bank of America customers. Uh, I have been with Bank of America for a very long time. None of us found the, you know, the sort of when the date of the statement starts uh, to be strange. That is, um, for whatever reason, very typical. Mine, I think, are like mid-month um, yeah. And then also just the ATM idea, like I know Mary said that uh, she lives in a populated area and that her local branch is 20 minutes away, but there's a full service ATM vestibule. Um, so that didn't seem irregular to her. And I would say also for me, at exactly that time frame, that's when they were real specific on what your account type was. And you had mm-hmm. to pay significantly more of a monthly fee if you wanted to be able to go into a teller. They were like yeah, really trying that. to keep you away from tellers. So I wasn't surprised at all because I avoided going in at all costs or I would start getting charged yeah, I, for those exchanges. Yeah, I didn't know that, but people said that they had um, what they called ATM-only accounts, mm-hmm. um, which where it was literally you had to use ATMs yeah. for everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that Which makes is very frustrating sense. when you have a check that you're trying to deposit and for some reason the machine won't read it and you're like, oh, I have to go in. I got to go in. It's not they reading. can only see your shoulder. I'm reading. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting on the way of shoulder. my microphone to read. Yeah. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. This episode is made possible by PwC. 
When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Um, so Rachel and Laura and, and Kara or Kara uh, were sort of thinking about like the businesses in Pinion Pines. This is something that I don't think we've quite touched on yet, but people want the um, the clarification. When we talk about Pinion Pines, we talk about him going up for the weekend. There are folks who are wondering, are there businesses that people would deal only in cash when they're up there? But my memory of Pinion Pines is like when you go up there, it's houses, right? So it's not like yeah. he's going up the hill, but he'll eat at four different restaurants over the weekend that only take cash. It's not like yeah. that, right? Alpine Village is what they call their area. Like that is just houses. That's Pinion Pines. But if you go up the road a little further up towards Anza, uh, we do have some charges where we see one where um, right before they went on vacation in July, I think, where Vicky used her debit card to go to there's a restaurant up there. Right. That, but she used her debit card there. Um, right. And then there's also a little grocery store up there um, called the Anza Market. Um, Martha's Village, I think, was – no, that's a homeless shelter she'd roll check to. But anyway, there, there's, a, uh-huh. there's a little restaurant and a, um, a little market up there. Uh, so there is that up there. And then I, I didn't realize, cause I never went past Pinion Pines that, uh, that there is also a casino up there. Mm-hmm. I thought all the casinos were down in the Valley, but I yeah, guess there I is a casino up, up near Anza, yeah. uh, which could explain, you know, the cash on the, you know, why he's always withdrawing. But the thing is, if, it, so if we're talking gambling, if that's what's going on, then it's it seems like a pastime and John seems like a very disciplined gambler because what we see is on Friday he will draw 100 160 whatever it is and you don't people who have a real problem with gambling you'll see the 160 200 whatever it is on Friday to go to the casino and then at the casino another 200 and then another right. 200 and then another as you know there's sure you know so it, it's you know the, it it could be that he was going up gambling in the casino, but it's not throwing up any flags to me as a big risk factor if that's what he likes to do is to go up and, you know, play the slots until he's out of if right. that's what he's doing according to the bank statements, he's playing until he's out of money and then he's going home. Right. That, that's what's happening. So you know, right. it's not like he's like caught up with some like, you know, loan sharks or something at a casino that we know of so far. Right. Uh, Claire just wants to, I think people just wanted to make sure, like, are we looking at all the accounts that there were? Claire says, is, is that the only account John had? Anything in his own name? Um, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that there were some people had some cr- questions about credit reports and Becky's finances. But you sort of touched on that at the beginning and said there wasn't a whole lot to see there. To Yeah, there, there's, a, there's another statement. So people ask about their savings account. That's part of this statement they just didn't carry much of a state of a of a savings account but if you look like the last pages show what what they have going on in their savings account um supposedly this was all they found for john they didn't have another account somewhere that that we're aware of um there is also statements for becky's savings account um which we can go over at some point there's again not a lot going on there there's a credit report where they had um um they they did have some credit problems with credit cards and stuff at times, but it seemed like all those accounts were closed. Because mm. Valeria had mentioned Tiffany talking about how after the fact, she felt like people yeah. were, they, she was getting calls from companies that were maybe looking for John. Yeah, I have to go back and look. If I remember correctly, what I found was that that anything that they had, like credit cards, those accounts were closed. Most of them were settled, but maybe there were some they were still. But what we could see, they weren't making payments on them. Um, you know, even though they were maybe were supposed to be making payments, that does bring. I do want to mention too. Um, and again, it's probably a question you already have. So sorry, person who asked the question. But um, in case we don't get to it, the authorized deduction on her pay stub from mm-hmm. Macy's. I had two different Macy's employees from that time period write into me and say that's exactly what I had said that I thought it was. Which was when you're an employee at Macy's, they don't give you an employee discount. In order to get the employee discount, you have to use either a Macy's credit card or if you don't have, at least then, if you didn't have the Macy's credit card, you could kind of run a tab and then they would take the money right out of your paycheck 
in order to get it. And they said that they said 100% the authorized deduction on the paycheck is paying your tab for stuff that you've bought at Macy's. Um, And also the franchise tax, which you probably knew that Janet living in California when it came Mm -hmm. through, that's, you know, when I looked it up, it showed that it was like, like a business tax that apparently the franchise tax, that's just the California taxes. Right. Um, yes. which, which is, you know, indicative of what we already knew about John, which is that he hadn't been paying his taxes. He was in tax trouble. So they were, they were, they were taking taxes out right. of his account. So that's what the franchise tax was. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so shout outs to Caroline and Courtney for trying to kind of wrap, wrap our heads around those additional pieces of financial information, like the, the credit reports and stuff. Um, I just want to read uh, Alexis, uh, and, I, and I'm sure you knew when you were writing it that it was an incredibly long post, and then you did an incredibly long post afterwards, and it was all very valuable. I spent a lot of time trying to make it shorter but not lose the gist of the post. But essentially, I just wanted to address that Alexis, and perhaps she represents other folks as well, um, kind of doesn't see what you see. So I don't know if you want a, a chance to address that, but um, Alexis sort of says, you know, we already knew that he liked to use cash. Um, I know we're looking for what changed, but, you know, John was self-employed and Vicky had a commission-based income, so they were used to ups and downs. They were used to overdrafts. Um, they, they, maybe they were just folks who cobbled together their fluctuating incomes and weren't great at ba- uh, planning ahead. And yes, John's cash withdrawals slightly increased, but it's not like he went uh, towards thousands. Um so I, that, Alexis is just saying, I'm, I guess I'm just wondering if there isn't as much here as we want to think there is. Well, the, the the documentation we have doesn't support the idea that they were used to balancing their fluctuating income. They they weren't. They usually had 6000 or more per month to work with always for the whole year, over a year that we have records. So something, again, they're the, no, their outputs didn't really change. But the imp- there's no month other than the last two months of their life that we have access to that where they ever dealt with less than six thousand dollars a month as far as income to work with to pay their bills. So that so I would push back against that and say there there is I don't know if it's if it's important I don't know if it's going to mean anything. But our job is to look at everything and figure out, is there something that's changed? And there was a significant change. So we have the bank statements to to support that. And then we have Ted Rutherford saying that, yeah, we always pay him about $60,000, $70,000 a year, which is, again, consistent with that you know, $5,500 to $6,000 a month that he's paying John. That's very cons- – that, that it's all consistent until these last two months. So. Yeah. That's to me that what I learned from this is that that's the change. What I learned is there's no spending patterns that are indicating to me a big risk factor, Mm -hmm. but there is a big change in their income. And that could be, there's always a, there's any, any case, any crime, any incident, there's always going to be some sort of a catalyst, something changed to cause it. Could this not have anything to do with it? Absolutely. Right. But this is the first thing that we've seen. So the only changes we've seen is Becky broke up with Jacob Jacob. right before this, started talking to Robert again right before this, and John and Vicky's income decreased dramatically right before this. So so far, those are the only three things that we've seen that have changed. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, Just touching in on the mortgage, I'm just going to look at these and make sure we kind of already covered this um, earlier. But Kelly and Abby, Sue and Amy, just circling around some mortgage stuff, bringing up the idea of somehow paying that by cash or somehow being paid by Tiffany. Um, Would there be some sort of notification from the lender about a foreclosure if there had been three months? Anything else that can kind of be tracked in there? Uh, there could have been, but I haven't seen where they really. I haven't seen any documents from Midland Mortgage, mm-hmm. um, and anything like notification stuff like that would have been probably in the house and burned up, or in the trash outside, which they didn't bother to go through. Yeah, so, I, know. I asked but, you that yesterday. Like, yeah, hey, what about that dumpster? Yeah, yeah, they just didn't seem to care about the dumpster. Yeah, well, I, I just spent. I mean, I just spent a bunch of time trying to go through Tiffany's transcript and. And it talks about the refinance multiple times, but never really gives any information about it, like when it was. Right? I mean, is she had a couple of interviews. Is that the one where she said that she paid their first payment? 
Um, I haven't seen that part in here yet, but they, they talk about the refinance. Because I believe that w- I believe when she said she paid their first payment, I believe that was in one of her later interviews. Hmm. Um, I think so. Which, which is again, it was, and if that's if that's accurate, um, it, is that one of the? No, it's not in there. Um, if that's accurate, that could be you know why the numbers and the details could be wrong because it's been a while. Right. Uh, I see, uh, Kristen, Caroline, you both brought up, uh, it's Ted Rutherford, right? I just want to make sure, because Tim Summerlee and Ted Rutherford, right? They have a couple questions uh, about whether or not we'll be able to talk to him in Palm Springs, and he has passed away. So that is not possible. I know you're reading comments because you are absolutely not listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask me a question? <laughs> well, well I, this, this is legitimate because I saw somebody who posted on the on the chat that said all mo- all monthly mortgage payments were made except for July 2006. I don't know where – I guess I'll keep looking at the chat to see where that information comes from because we don't see that coming out of their bank account at all. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah. No, I was just uh, – the folks were asking if we were going to uh, talk to uh, Ted Rutherford. And then I clarified it's not Tim Rutherford. It's Ted Rutherford, right? It's Tim Summerlee yeah. and Ted Rutherford. Yeah. It's confusing because in the police file on the audio recording, it's labeled as Tim Rutherford, but his name's mm-hmm. Ted Rutherford. Okay. And Tim, uh, Ted uh, is passed away. He's He's no longer with us. So – uh, but we're hoping to maybe talk to somebody. I believe his daughter still runs the uh, runs his company. So right, uh, Sarah and Don and uh, Amanda, noting all of your great posts about the mortgage stuff. I think we addressed some of that stuff, like the grace period in there. Um, so getting into sort of this idea of the spending, uh, the the gambling, other things that could be considered quote unquote vices or places that money goes. Um, Kathy uh, and Sarah posited this idea of some sort of drug addiction. Um, They have had personal experiences in their own lives, which my heart goes out to them because I totally have two where people in your life are doing uh, a heavier drug or a more expensive drug. And maybe they take out a little bit of money thinking, oh, this will be enough. And Mm -hmm. then later that day or a couple of days later, they do have to take out more because they they want more. Um, And then, you know, Nicole also kind of asked about drink any drinking habits like could Vaughn some of the Vaughn stuff be drinking. And uh, and so just wondering if if, you know, we talked about the gambling, but is there anything that's coming up for you as you've had more time to process this that suggests some sort of substance abuse? No, it's certainly a possibility, but we don't have any evidence to support it at this point. Right now we have. You know, the autopsy that showed that he tested negative for they both tested negative for any kind of drugs. I have seen quite a bit of I've done a lot of research on this, and it seems that it is very possible that because a body is burned up, that that those tests would come back negative, even though they should be positive. Mm-hmm. But that's just one of those things. That's a possibility. That doesn't mean that that's the case. Um, we really don't know. We just we just don't know if there's anything to do with any kind of drug abuse. Like I said, we see. We see the money coming out. We see that in that last that last week, all that money coming out. I have no idea where it was going, and that's what you know. It's unfortunately John kept his circle pretty tight, so it's hard to find anyone that might know where the you know where that money was going. Um, and and I want to point out too that Nicole from the YouTube chat, who I asked about the mortgage payment, says she has the monthly statements from the case file. So I guess I'll circle back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't see that in the monthly statements that I have, um, but I'll look. Yeah, to she see says if you can anything. email them over. Uh, uh, yeah, that'll be, be fine. And, um, and yeah, and I'll be. What, what I'll really be curious is where that money, because I, I I know what their bank account balance was, and there was never an extra nine hundred dollars in the bank in August or September where they could have paid it. So hmm. if it's being paid from somewhere else, and the, then we have a different source of income, I guess. But well. So you can email that in or I'll, I'll look and then Great. and then uh, let you guys know. Cool. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, moving into some sort of more John-specific stuff. Uh, obviously, we've already been talking about it a little bit, but uh, I just wanted to acknowledge Kara's post who says, uh, I think I shortened it a little bit, but I see a lot of people on the fan page still talking about John as someone who didn't pay taxes, didn't pay child support, etc. Though at a minimum, it sounds like he was doing those things at the time of his death, which you mentioned on the episode, Bob. Um Knowing that John did have a bank account in his name, did pay taxes, and was making child support payments, does this change any of the prior risk factors or statements about his situation? Well, we knew that his ex – we heard from his ex-wife, and she said that he hadn't paid child support for years and years and years. And then when they got the $10,000 from Ron, they paid 
that to her to make up for a big chunk of the arrearages. And she said, from that point forward, he's been paying me $388 a month. Right. Uh, and, and we know that, you know, we've heard from, you know, his coworkers, from his ex, remember that, that he had tax, but that he wasn't paying his taxes, but he wasn't paying his taxes properly and was had tax problems, had tax trouble. Um, so he's, you know, we, we see that there's that money coming out. Does, which doesn't look like he was necessarily paying his taxes more so that they were taking his taxes from him, um, you know, that he, that he hadn't paid. And we see that in his, in his, um, in his, uh, in his background check, we see that they, that he has multiple tax liens filed against him. So, right. but no, now that most of that we already knew other than, you know, I didn't know that they were taking $125 or $175 a month out of the account. Okay. Um, Chastity and Michelle and Amanda and uh, Lynn and a different Amanda, uh, Teresa, everybody's interested in finding out if we can find out more about uh, John's uh, work for Rutherford, any other places that he might have worked, any other individuals he might have worked for and been paid under the table. Uh, hopefully, maybe some of that will come to light somehow in Palm Springs or uh, as everybody does their work from home. But um, there were definitely questions also about those supplies Um Hope you know, kind of thinking like, well, maybe that does account for a bunch of the cash. But you've mm-hmm. already pointed out earlier that his he, he would. There's no reason that I can imagine why that he would not bill for those if he's paying a hundred dollars right. out for lumber or whatever. You know, that of course that would you would imagine that would show up on on a on an invoice per se or like a, a yeah. the receipt that he's he'd be reimbursed for. Yeah, and seeing his the the his, his book. From hearing from Rutherford and looking at the bank account, I'm assuming that what, it seems like most big material costs were taken care of by Rutherford. So, like, you know, for example, like if he was going to go to a property and install a new bathtub, that Rutherford would like get the bathtub, get the materials, get him there. And when John goes to buy materials, like oh, I needed a tarp and a putty knife or something, gotcha, um, to put up. And, and then a lot well, of times it will happen too in those cases, those situations. From my just from my experience being a contractor is. They'll have like the property company management company may have like accounts at like the lumber. Like you can go down to the lumber yard, put it on our account, and Got it. pick stuff up. That's what, that's it. why we see only small little things that he buys. Oh, that's very helpful. That's real. That's great. Uh, I saw this earlier in the chat, uh, friends, and I didn't point it out, but I see uh, Gigi. I see you pointed that out. Um, also came through from Kelly in the follow-up post, wondering if maybe John had some sort of injury or a medical procedure, something that could have come up for him that would um, disable him from doing the same level of work. Not that we know of, and and like you had mentioned earlier, that, that seems like it would be something we would have heard from Ted Rutherford. Like, oh, he sprained his wrist, so of course he's worked less the last couple it, of weeks. But Yeah, instead what we heard was that he was staining their office or something um, like yeah. that week. That he was like doing that job and that he came Friday and got his last paycheck. And then we see where he got, it was like $681 that he got that check and he deposited it. And um, what was it? It was $661.84 that he got that check, deposited it, withdrew 180 and headed up the hill. Right. Uh, Jocelyn was one of the people who had pointed out the possibility of maybe the $163 going to, um, a, a worker, like a subcontractor, maybe somebody he brought in. We sort of addressed that. Um, Amanda, Clay, folks speculating that maybe, uh, he's not bringing home as much money because he's working off a debt to someone else. Like, I'm not available because I got this other yeah. job, but you're not seeing any money come in because you're working off an actual debt as your labor is that kind of compensation. Sure. Which I yeah, these are all these are all possibilities, but they're all, you know, like I said, I, I, there's people too who said, well, maybe he had a worker and so he wasn't really making that much money. He was given it, you know, he's paying it off to a worker. Again, these are all possibilities, but we just don't have any evidence to support it. Yeah. Uh, going into Vicky a little bit more, uh, Jenny and actually a different Vicky were curious about the possibility of this uh, significant vacation time that Vicky is being paid. If not, it's a lot of time to take off without getting paid, especially if you are seeing less income coming in uh, from elsewhere. Yeah, unfortunately, she never deposited her last paycheck. And the one check, we have the one stub that was found in a car. Um, there was a, there's, there's a photo of it. You got to kind of zoom in and, and look to piece it together. But that check was 
dated on the 8th, which was the week before. So it's her second to last check. Mm-hmm. And that's from the pay period that ended on the 2nd. So it was all before the vacation. I believe if memory serves, it says on that stub that she has 44 hours of vacation time. Okay. Um, and I don't remember if it's showing that she still like had 44 hours or that her year to date amount that she had been paid for 44 hours of vacation time. I can't but so it's, it seems like she does get vacation pay at okay. some point, you know, you know, for some amount, but, um, if it is, if that means 44 hours is what she has, and that's certainly not two full weeks where she would have to take some unpaid. And of course she's not making any commission while she's gone either. So right. it would be less, but she had to have gotten some vacation pay because she didn't work the two weeks before the murder. She gets paid weekly mm. and and uh, the, her coworker said that she came in Friday to get her check. So she Definitely. got a check from the pay period that would have ended the week before, which would have been at the end of a week when she was on vacation. So the Good fact point. that she got a check... I would I would think either means she has vacation time or maybe there's like a lag with the commission that gets paid out later. I'm not sure because we hmm. don't have that stub. Okay. Um, I want to read Valeria's post about this, but Jocelyn, Sandy, and Sarah also um, brought up stuff uh, similar to this. Uh, Valeria says, in his first interview, Ron stated that when he discussed the retirement money with Vicky, she said she needed the money as a lump sum and preferred to have that to a monthly check, which he was surprised by. This there also seems to be urgency or there also seemed to be maybe some urgency in her request. I wonder if she felt she could protect a lump sum from John more easily. If she wanted to get out of the relationship, a large lump sum would have been very helpful. Have you been able to work out any further where her share of the pension funds ended up beyond just Ron saying it was in an account somewhere? No. And we even have the documents that some listeners have dug up from the probate because it took years to settle this estate because there was no will or anything. Um, and there's a, you know, a pretty hefty homeowner's insurance policy that eventually was paid out to Tiffany, mm. uh, and I'm trying to remember in the neighborhood of two to $300,000, I think, um, that was eventually paid out to her a couple of years later, I think in 2009 or 2010, somewhere around there. Um, but like in the probate, even that's still not, so I, I've, I've yet to see any verification that that money that, Tiffany said that Ron told her existed, did exist. Um, and well, I guess we heard Ron say it too, that it was, that it was there. And then Tiffany relayed that he had also told her that I haven't seen that that's, that that's the case. Um, doesn't that's mean concerning. it's not accurate. No. Yeah. But it's kind of concerning. Yeah. A lot. It, well, it would certainly switch. It would, it would definitely, definitely change things as far as, um, what we're looking at for risk factors, you know, we kind of, for, well, I can say we, I kind of thought, well, Ron can be ruled out because the one thing that could be motive for him would be that if she's alive, he has to pay this money, but if she's dead, he doesn't. And if it turns out he had already paid it and that was done and over with, then he no longer has any motive. Um, cause I don't buy the, I'm just mad about it a year later motive. Um, but if there's like a legitimate, like if she's gone, I don't have to pay this then that that's motive. So, you know, at this point it's a question mark because we haven't seen documentation that that money was actually paid out in another account somewhere. That is concerning the mystery money. Mm -hmm. Well, and I just, that seems like such an important thing to account for on paper in a case file. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's why I'm, I hope it turns up, Bob. I I just hope it turns up because I would, I, I, I think that's a really, really great um, perspective, Valeria, and and those of you who are t- had, and I've seen some some talk about that. We've seen some talk about that uh, when we first started hearing about um, Ron saying that that the account had been there. This idea of perhaps she did want to keep it a secret. Maybe she did want to mm-hmm. leave the relationship and felt like she needed to hold that and keep it safe because you know she she might need it for something. But on the other hand, I don't know that we've heard a lot about those sorts of decisions being made by Vicky from the perspective of people like Tiffany uh, or her other daughters in the past mm-hmm. where she she would be the type of person to comfortably go, I'm not going to touch that, you know, many, many tens of thousands of dollars. I'm yeah. going to keep that a secret. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I hope we find some real hard evidence of that. But what, yeah. But and, and was it a secret? The only reason I would like kind of push because back because he on that was a talking bit. about getting it, right? 
that's the thing is, is John was talking about getting some kind of money from some kind of inheritance somewhere. And why $175,000? Yeah. I don't know. So that's still, that's still a question mark. Yeah. Um, um, before you move on to the next yes. one, I, I, I just want to just one more time circle back to, sure. um, like I said, Nicole had said that she has the monthly statements that she'll email them. I don't know which monthly statement she's talking about, but then somebody else said uh, that in the statements, there's a checks paid section. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just want to point out that, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. And, and that's what I'm saying. And the checks paid in the la- in July, there's no check paid to mortgages. There's, there's a check for electric, a check to somebody named Monica for 45 bucks, uh, a check for 50 bucks to a homeless shelter, John child support check, and then a water bill. Um, and then the next month we have the water bill, child support, and two checks to Vons during the weekend when they were overdrawn. Uh, and then the final month we have $137 check written to Becky by Vicky, the $294 check to Midland Mortgage that says escrow payment and the child support payment. There's no, there's nowhere in there in those three months where there where it says that a check was written to a mortgage company, and we have a file with all of their clear checks, and there's nothing in there either for those three months. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Do you know anything about the the homeless shelter payment? Because that, like... That really touches my heart if they were, you know, to be struggling and then to Mm -hmm. make a contribution like that is like, oh, that touches my heart. That's what it looks like to me. So the the check is to Martha's Village and all this. By the way, I'll have a real quick wet seal conversation, too. Um, (laughs) So as obviously I'm not familiar with all these things. So whenever I saw a payment or a check or a debit transaction to something I wasn't familiar with, I did a quick Google search and there was a check to Martha's Village. For $51, I thought it was a grocery store. I punched it in and Martha's Village is a a homeless shelter uh, in the area. Hmm. And she wrote $51 a check for is an odd amount. $51.50. Specific amount. It's very yeah. interesting. So it doesn't seem like a donation. A, a donation you would write. An even number. Yeah. An right. even number. So there's something there. We should but it could be like that. they That's did like, they could like a craft sale or something. Sure. They might have done something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, very interesting. But, okay. but again, that was in... That was in June, and that was like right at the beginning when they started to have the money problem. Prior mm. to that, even though they weren't, you know, necessarily responsible with their money, they were, you know, there was enough coming in to cover the going out um, yeah. at the beginning of this. It wasn't until the really the last two months where it was like they're just they're, they were just way underwater. Yeah. Oh, real quick, I'm so wet seal. Uh, man, people lit me forget. up over Wet Seal. My <laughs> wife lit me up over Wet Seal. So Shiloh I, lit you up over. Well, she certainly lit me up over Wet Seal. Yeah. Like, Someone needs to tell Bob what Wet Seal. Is. Well, I thought it was like a West Coast thing, and that's why I didn't know. But Becky's like, "No, you idiot! That's like where we bought all of our clothes." So this. So when I came through, there was a charge to Wet Seal. I had never heard of Wet Seal. I quick Googled Wet Seal, and there was a website that I went to that's gone because they're out of business. It just says like under construction. And so I clicked the Wikipedia link to it and it says that, you know, whatever designer created the store and they call it wet seal because his bathing suits look like someone look his bathing suits on the models look like a wet seal. So I'm like, Oh, bathing suit shop. And that's, so so it wasn't just complete idiocy. I just was very quickly trying to track where the money was going. And when I did my Google search for wet seal, that's what I found. And I apparently should have read a little bit further. Also, um, I'm oblivious to everything ever anywhere because evidently everyone, when I was a teenager was buying clothes at wet seal. Uh, and I didn't even know it existed. Okay. 
So great. I'm glad we clarified that. Uh, (laughs) Valeria was following up on the bank statements and financial information question about Becky, which you touched on. Also, I saw I think it was you, Caroline, who mentioned um, just reminding us that that uh, Ted would say that, you know, when Becky would come in to see John, that he would say, oh, what's this going to cost me with the sort of idea of like, oh, did he just keep cash kind of on hand as Mm -hmm. one would? Because if you're not using your debit, you always want to have a little cash in your pocket, especially yeah. if you, you know, given them 20 bucks here and there to somebody. Yeah. And you seem that that's that seems very obvious. Again, what we can see when you when you put with my little color coded worksheet that I made and you see that for me, for the way my brain works, it jumped out at me that, oh, he doesn't use his debit card at all. So it's not weird that he's take, doing all the ATM withdrawals because he operates primarily in cash. Yeah, so it seems like most you know most weeks he was he's withdrawing, you know probably on average two hundred two hundred fifty dollars a week. So yeah, is, I, I'm guessing he always had cash in his pocket. Yeah. By the way, uh, great uh, notes from Danae and um, from uh, John and Jennifer about uh, charities actually do asking sometimes for specific amounts, like if there's a, tr- a processing fee, like a a dollar and fifty cents for a check mm-hmm. processing fee or a transaction fee, um, that you agree to kind of check that box, which. We still do sometimes online, right, where they say, would you like right. to – so maybe that's it, that it was going to be $50, and then it was like, would you mind writing it for $1.50 extra? Because that means we don't have to pay anything out. There's no processing fee for us, mm-hmm. and you're giving – you know, you're helping us with the transaction as well. Right. Yeah, that makes that's sense. That's a really good point. Good job, mm-hmm. guys. Um, uh, Jordan says, I remember Javi saying Becky would help make fa- uh, family payments, uh, cell phone uh, do we have any access uh, to see if there were any missing payments paid by her? No. When I went through, and I, and if that, and if I'm wrong about that, I'll I'll make sure I let you guys know in the next follow up. But when I when I went through Becky's, um, and I'll get them posted. I don't even know why I didn't post them, just because I basically I went through her her statements, and there was nothing there that was really of interest in the case so i just kind of moved past it but i didn't i certainly didn't see where she was paying a mortgage payment or a cell phone bill and we see who's paying the cell phone bill vicky is it's in it's in their their uh transactions right yeah so the car payments and the cell phone bills of drews and stuff we don't we just don't necessarily see i think the, the car payments if i remember we do see those but becky's maybe really? making those i think but i'll but i'll i'll we'll circle back to that Okay. Um, And then the last thing I have is, you know, just a general, I saw the Kathy B, you posted this. Um, It's a question that we continue to ask and um, nicely sort of rounds up the qui bono. Uh, It's the question she's been wondering and teaching her students to ask who benefited. What could the potential perpetrators have stood to gain? Was the death of a victim, or if it was one or all, the primary goal, or did they benefit from the destruction of the property or something else? That's the big question, isn't yeah. it? And that's what we're trying to figure out. You know, Kathy, and that's I hope you why have your students working on this. Yeah, <laughs> I think everybody should have their students. So we can get it figured out. Um, yeah, that's why, and that's why I said, like, with this this stuff with the uh, the money with Ron, like, we need to somehow figure out if that was ever paid out. Because if it wasn't, then there was. That's what we said at the very beginning. Was you know, there's one person that whether that's the reason they were murdered or not, but there's one person that did benefit from their death. If they were going to be required to pay out $100,000, but since they're dead, they didn't have to, then they did benefit from the death. Um, and, and as again, as of now, I'm, you know, when I say, when I say that we're taking him at his word, I mean, like, you know, I'm not considering Ron a suspect because it seems as though that is accounted for. It doesn't mean that we're not going to verify that and, and circle back to it. Um, but as of right now, it seems you know they're saying that it, that was accounted for somewhere. So we'll we'll see as we dig deeper into that. Yeah, I don't know because you know this very people ask all the time. We've been through it thirty times on the follow ups. If it could be a murder suicide, I don't see any scenario where that's possible because you see you know oh they're not paying. You know maybe they maybe they intended on burning the house down. Maybe that's why they wrote just a check to the for escrow. You know to make right. sure that the insurance was covered or whatever. But that doesn't explain how they ended up dead yeah know. i get the i get the theory of that because i can see how it looks like that but the physical evidence doesn't tell us anything like that Mm-mm. right no if it was just an arson then i would be looking at, if i was if i was the arson investigator because you know people contrary to popular belief we don't just look at the fire we look at all this stuff when i'm investigating a fire or when i was investigating a fire um but if it was just the house burned down and i was in we always pull financials and do this stuff and look at it and i was looking i was like oh hmm they haven't paid their house payment for three months. 
They're in financial hardship, and they did try to write a they did write a check just to pay the escrow to make sure their insurance was up to date. Big red flag that maybe they lit the house on fire for insurance money. Mm. But in this case, that makes zero sense because they ended up dead inside the house. You know, they, they you know they were not you know who benefited not John and Vicky who would be who would benefit from. Um, something like that. So then you got you end up, but you have to go out into like crazy conspiracy theories. Like, well, then who would be their beneficiaries and who could get the insurance money? Like, yeah, I don't see Tiffany like sitting in a dark corner somewhere, rubbing her hands together. Just yeah, no, I'm gonna go. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna go murder my mom and her boyfriend and my sister so that I can collect. You know, when she's you know, right? Yeah, that's not even worth entertaining. Right. But yeah, I, that, that's the big question: is who benefited from this, and that's why we're figuring, and that's why we keep digging and digging and digging. I still think there's something here. I think there's something to what was going on with John and Vicky and their finances. I don't know what it means yet, but uh, we're going to keep digging, digging in on that. Um, but for right now on the podcast, we are moving on to the place where we've been talking about going, which is starting to look at the case against Robert and Christian. Um, and, and I know everybody's been waiting for that for a long time. I have too. I've, I've, I've actually been very much looking forward to the opportunity of explaining to all of you, why I think this is a, a a legitimate case. As I said at the beginning of this episode, a murky case worth investigating. Because I think just from this week's episode, you're going to find that the case isn't nearly as strong as people will make it out to be with their little talking points that jump into the chats and comments sometimes. Because it's, it's uh, you want to talk, the, the concept Wes was making was the case for innocence is murky. What I will tell you is the case for guilt is super fucking murky. And that's what we're going to get into this week. I loved the beginning of that episode. I, I mean, this last episode of the books. I thought that was so great. I loved it. I loved how you broke it down and compared it with the case that many of us have very strong feelings about, which is Adnan's case. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was super effective, and I think it continued to keep that fire stoked underneath people that you brought to us with the why. So I thought it was great. Well, thank you for saying that because I was kind of. And I don't even like you. Right, you can't stand. It. I don't know. It's gonna be weird being around in the same room as each other this this next week. Uh, so, in reality, I'm super excited to meet Janet in person. That's gonna be um, gonna be fun, and we got, of course, work to do. And on those lines, uh, we told you there's meetups coming. There are meetups coming. So, one of them on Tuesday night, the 13th, we are meeting at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Palm Desert on Highway 111. Um, look on my any of our socials or go to bobruffevents.com. Um, any what we are asking people to do, it's free. It doesn't cost anything to attend. That's just a big meet and greet. We're gonna hang out and and you know talk to all you guys, take pictures, do whatever you guys want to do for a couple of hours from seven to nine on Tuesday night in Palm Desert. But we what we are asking is that you go to the website and get your free ticket. You don't even need the ticket to get in there. The reason is because, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings said we, you know, we want to know how many people are going to be there so we know how many people to put on staff. So we don't want to have them put like 10 extra waitresses or waiters on the floor and then we show up with 10 people and we don't want them to have one person trying to manage 80 people. That's so, fair. Um, yeah. So if, if you can, please go to BobRuffEvents.com. You'll see in the the Palm Desert meetup. Just click that. Just click to get a ticket. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, and that way we'll have a good number of who's coming. I know we, I, we talked about, I, I put it on a social media yesterday and there's already, um, I think close to 20 people that are already selected that. So it should be a fun meetup. And then on Wednesday, the 14th, we're going to be in Los Angeles in the silver Lake area. That is going to be more than just a meet and greet. We're actually going to do kind of a presentation and do some Q and a, there's going to be like tables and microphones and all that jazz. Um, we have, I'm, I'm going to tell them if it's okay, Janet, where we think it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, and then totally. We'll just I mean, it would t- t- something really big would have to happen for us to move it, but yeah, Janet is having anxiety dreams where I have a weird neck <laughs> last night because um, <laughs> she's so worried about this not going smoothly. But the bar is called the Friend, right? Yeah, the Friend it, Bar. It, it's on Hyperion. Yep, in Silver Lake, uh, and it's gonna same be time weird. window seven to nine, so that's easy for people to remember because it's yep. the same as Tuesday. Yep, seven to nine p.m. It'll be the same thing. Those free tickets will be available on the BobRuffEvents.com website Thursday at noon. So if you're listening to this Friday, they're already up. Go grab your tickets. They're free. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube right now, tomorrow, we're just, the only reason I waited for till Thursday to put those up 
is because Janet, Janet is having a panic attack that something's going to so, be wrong. Yeah, I'm so afraid I'm going to go there because I just want to go and check and like meet the owner and stuff in person. But Shiloh, Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott will be there. And they actually have done, Shiloh's done an event there before. I've been mm-hmm. to the bar many times, um, but she's the one who actually had done an event and she feels great about it and I feel great about it. But I'm yeah. just being that that person who's like, I do not want to like, because you all know, I'll never hear the end of it. Ever. If something goes wrong will. and it can be blamed on me, I'll never hear the end of it. That's what <laughs> will be behind you. You'll be like, remember when Janet had an epic fail? She, That'll be burned into the, the wall. LA fan meetup mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. panel. Um, so uh, if you're going to be in, in the Palm Springs area on Tuesday or in the LA area on on Wednesday next week, or if you're super energetic and want to go to both, you can do that. I wouldn't because I've driven there before. Um, but <laughs> both of those will be available on my website um, to get those free tickets. Looking forward to meeting you all there. Uh, coming up in, in Sunday's episode, getting back to real quick, Janet, this is a long close, almost as long as the intro. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned like that. So I, I'm i curious. Let me know in like comments and stuff. But, you know, for years of this show, I sat down in, at my desk with notes and – told my story and it was, it was rough and dirty and, and clunky. Uh, and then later I started writing, you know, really trying to write out long, you know, perfectly told narratives and then started writing these scripts to do it that way. Um, and then sometimes I just get the, that when that episode, this episode was just like, I'm just going to go old school and do it that way. Let me know what you guys think about that. Because I, there are times like for this, the episodes coming this weekend where I'm thinking, I can organize this and put some bullet points and just let it rip, or I can try to make this into something much cleaner. Um, but when I let them rip, then when I'm done, I sit there and second guess myself for days thinking that I rambled too long like I'm doing right now or that I repeated <laughs> myself. And, and uh, So just let me know what you think about that because we're always curious what you guys, for those of you that are um, that are fans, what you guys like to hear. Uh, but this week's episode is going to be about the one single piece of physical evidence that points to Robert <gasps> and Christian Episode 37 coming on Sunday is the business card. Oh, you're coming in hot. Oh, yeah. We'll talk to you all about that next week. Wait. Thanks, everybody. Hope to see some of you next week. Thanks, guys. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. For all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be fine in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. 
Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. What's up, YouTube people? Hey, what's up, guys? Smash the like button. Oh, God, you can't. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh no, you can't. Someone else has access soundboard. to the soundboard. <laughs> I cannot believe we only just found that out. This uh, is oh. a game changer. I know, I like this so oh, much. Oh, this is Makes good. me so happy. Okay, we are back, and we have a lot to talk about today off of Bob's The Books episode. What? Am I not saying that? You usually give me a hard time for not saying we're back. Yeah. No, you just, you're fine. You just caught me off guard. You just came in hot. Like you're, It was great. It was the best intro we've ever had. I don't, just like, I don't like this you two sitting next to each other because at the exact same time, you were both like... <laughs> it's getting too Muppety over there. <laughs> Let's try to... Uh... All right, let's take that again. Let's make a clean one for Kelly.